Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Network. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And the topic for today is, should you continue to invest in AI and ML? So with COVID-19, which is a healthcare crisis, it went down, but it's coming back up again, and it's also spawned a financial crisis. So there are some uh, troubles that we are looking at. Yes, there is always a silver lining in the cloud, but still we have to deal with issues. So with that said, just because business has to go on, there is slashing of the costs, people are hiring but to a very limited degree, not doing projects the way they want to, and they are even halting hiring of any new talent. Then you have some other issues which are keeping people up at night, how to deal with business continuity, et cetera. With all of that said, let's talk a little bit about the AI and ML initiatives, which gained a lot of investment and momentum and interest among many communities, including the investors and the IT leaders and the business leaders so that they can get the most of it. But now, given where we are today, given the uncertainty, how should organizations be looking at rationalizing and understanding what would it get if we were to invest properly and prudently with AI and ML moving forward? So to discuss all this, we have Scott Blanford, Executive Vice President, Chief Digital Officer with TIAA. Hey, Scott, how are you? Hey, doing great, Sanjak. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. Pleasure to have you. So as I laid out the interesting times we're living in, what do you think? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, so, So with that, I'd love to at least see if historically we started on this AI and ML journey a couple of years ago, right? It's, it's still new, right. but still a lot was done. What do you think has happened so far with that investment? Are we still in the sandbox or we saw some organizations getting some tangible value? Where do we stand today in your view? Well, you know, I, I can speak uh, on behalf of what we've seen, what we've seen, which is uh, we're very happy with the investments we've made and we're going to continue to invest uh, pretty heavily in this area. And, you know, part of that's driven by you know, how we've chosen to deploy. So, you know, the way we look at it is, you know, job number one is helping customers uh, be successful in whatever they're trying to do. And, you know, we're a firm at, at TIAA that is, is focused on helping people get uh, get to and through retirement. And, uh, you know, what that led us uh, to do with AI and ML is focus on very practical use cases that help, you know, real people with real things. So we've leveraged it heavily and, uh, you know, trying to understand through our automated assistant what customers are trying to do. So we offer full range of services on, on the web, on mobile, and our AI ML journey has been very focused on conversational UI. And as somebody is typing in a chat screen, not just getting answers to questions, but uh, performing, you know, financial transactions on their accounts, and it's uh, it's quite complicated to understand from a few words and numbers what uh, what people are trying to uh, to do. And so, you know, we started in the sandbox, but pretty rapidly deployed out to real customers our uh, automated assistant, which has had fantastic uptake, fantastic growth, um, 
And uh, so we're going to continue to invest and uh, expand the range of what our assistant, automated assistant, can do. So, of course, you know, uh, you as uh, an organization are going to try to work towards making investments. And even the era before the AIML, some in incremental tweaks were being done. So this did give us some promise, right? AIML was supposed yep. to revolutionize. And some people thought about that as, you know, um, a people displacement risk, if you will. But then slowly people recognizing, started recognizing that it might actually help people do better and bigger things together. Now, with all that said, would you say we have enough fodder to take it up to the management that come what may, come COVID, come any crisis, we cannot stop, we should not stop investing. Yeah, in I, I, yeah I think so. You know, our firm, uh, you know, we're very oriented around, uh, you know, taking care of customers is job number one. And we know that our customers are uh, looking for a, a couple different things, especially in the time we live in now. You know, one thing they're looking for is just help with understanding their financial situation. And, you know, they need a partner they can trust to help them make good financial uh, decisions. And uh, we're a firm that can provide that. So, you know, we want to make sure we're there for our customers. And, uh, and the other thing that's happening is everybody's remote and people are home. So, uh, they're looking for increased access to uh, digital services, and consequently, they're looking for you know natural language. And our services are supported by AI and ML. So uh, we've seen, you know, prior to the current uh, you know pandemic and everybody being from home, we were seeing pretty big uptake anyway. But this is just taking it to a whole uh, whole new level. So we're getting great support in our company for uh, continuing to invest here. So would you say AIML turned out to be a better mousetrap or something we never thought possible and it, is give, give, it got enough rave reviews that no matter what, you will still be able to show an ROI formula which stands the test of time, including the times that we are living in? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, this may be an overly simplistic way to look at it, but one way to think about it is, uh, a digital customer, so a customer that's comfortable, you know, working with their technology. You know, some people prefer web, some people prefer mobile, some people prefer Alexa, some people prefer Siri, some people prefer uh, chat windows. And what we're trying to do is make sure where, wherever our uh, customers are. You know, the, the way I try to think about it is, you know, we live in the attention economy where everybody is... Uh, Starve for spare attention because everywhere you go, there's a screen or something reaching out to you saying, please pay attention to me. And with all the great content and exciting things people are directing their attention to, if we're lucky enough to have uh, somebody spending a few seconds or minutes thinking about their financial well-being or their retirement, we want to be there in that moment that's the best way to help people is, is when they, when they're thinking about it, we want to be there. And if they're thinking about it uh, near a chat window or on our voice response system, you know, on the phone or Alexa or Siri or the web or mobile, we want to be there. So I think, yeah, for sure it's opened up our digital services to a whole bunch of customers that, uh, that had not been as interested in our other interfaces. No, I 
use the word ROI. Do you think we should start looking at the ROI for every investment? Of course, you know, we are making investments in all different areas, but taking the context of this AIML, what did you think when your organization, not you means your, your group think when they came up yeah. with the investment strategy and some formula to say, this is what we're going to get some hard ROI, some soft ROI. And now given where we are, maybe you would tweak the direction or the magnitude to which you will invest, but you should have some form of ROI calculation, which you would perhaps calibrate given the times we are in. And are you first of all, and if yes, then how? Yeah, uh, I would say when we uh, embarked upon the journey here, we started with this uh, from the standpoint of, you know, we want to deliver real practical help to, you know, real people. And uh, if we do that well, it should have a really great ROI. And so we put our business case together and uh, got the investment, made the investment, and, you know, we're, we're handily beating the case. And I, and I will say that, at TIA, we look at uh, investments like this over the long term, and that's, uh, you know, our company's been around uh, helping customers for 100 years, so we try to think of what's in the long-term best interest of customers, what's in the long-term best interest of our firm. So our business cases, typically, you know, they, they can have extended payback periods if we believe in the thesis, but I will tell you, in this case, it hasn't, uh, hasn't, taken, a, hasn't taken a long time. Like the, the team that uh, has deployed our AI ML have done a fantastic job and customers are getting terrific benefit from it uh, every day. You seem to be a pretty good evangelist for AI ML. So that's good, right? In your role. Now, <laughs> I try. But, but, yeah. So, so yeah, of course, that's your job to go ahead and evangelize. <laughs> but how well is your management biting? Or I would say, let's, let's, of course, you talk about your organization, but what do you see? the appetite for management, which is not directly going geeking out on AI and ML per se, or are irresponsible for the technology functions or digital functions, how well are they able to digest something which was never understood or was not even existing earlier, and now it brings capabilities they never imagined earlier, and suddenly there is a stop, and there's a reason why they should not invest there, and instead of focusing on AI and ML, they should focus on keeping the lights on, how do you, what level of enthusiasm do you see among those members of the management? Yes, Sanjak, I, I would, I think we, we look at it like this. Uh, you know, it's not about the technology for technology's sake. It's about helping people. And this is technology we use to help people in a new, different, and uh, better way. And so there's tremendous appetite in our firm for, for that. And they understand that there's, uh, you know, newer technology attached to it. But, uh, but we sort of stayed away from doing tech for, uh, for tech's sake and have very much focused on, you know, let's help people. And, and the times we're living in now, they need more help than, than ever. So it's, it's been not a battle, not a convincing exercise. Is there something that you did or your team did, including maybe working with your CIO and others, to explain the value and did you show some value up front so that now the belief system is set in? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, we, we did two things that have led to, to that. The first one is that uh, for sure our business leaders at our firm champion technology 
that helps customers, our plan participants, and our plan sponsors. And we uh, work hard to bring everybody along on the journey. So, so just uh, bringing people with us, making sure we explain what we're doing, that's like the first thing. And the second thing we did is, you know, we're very de deliberate about the risk envelope for things we undertake. So we started with, we started very small. Let's see if, you know, we can uh, deliver something here for a very narrow range of uh, customer needs. Let's get that working really good and learn a lot before we scale it up. And that way the initial investment, if you go back a couple of years, was very small. Uh, and really what we're trying to do is get smart enough to see how we could scale it up. And so, you know, lo and behold, it's a few years later, we're scaling it up and, you know, our, every dollar we invest goes a lot farther now because of the uh, work we did uh, initially. So I'd say those two things, bringing our stakeholders along so they can be champions for us, which they've been, and then starting small so we could get smarter ourselves so that when we're ready to scale it up, uh, you know, the, the ROI case is really good. Would you say your organization in particular or your industry, did it get hit to the degree many other industries did with COVID? Well, no, I'd say, well, you know, we've, we felt it uh, like everybody else. Uh, you know, we felt it with uh, the people that work at TIA, uh, you know, moving to remote work. But, uh, you know, we have built such a strong foundation and the last, uh, you know, however many years here, that when COVID hit, one of the things the government did is they changed the rules around uh, retirement plans. And there's a piece of legislation called the CARES Act that allows you to tap into your retirement savings for uh, urgent needs. And, and, you know, full support of the CARES Act uh, is uh, I can take additional kinds of withdrawals and loans from my retirement plan. I can suspend repayments from prior loans, et cetera, to allow people in a tough time um, to access their savings, um, you know, temporarily. We were, were proud to have been the first retirement provider on the street to launch full digital support of the CARES Act basically over the weekend that it, uh, that it was introduced and approved by the, the government. Um, so... Look, that's not an accident. Because we had done the foundation work and we've got a really solid architecture, solid partnerships are around the company, and the, our firm's really driven by helping, helping customers. We knew that uh, in this time of uncertainty, the government uh, introduced the CARES Act, gets passed. We want to be there Monday morning with full support for, uh, for what folks are going to want to do. And we've seen a, a terrific uptake of the services, and that includes uh, standard digital services, web, uh, et cetera, but also with our uh, AIML. Now, think about the companies. Uh, of course, you know, you, you, I'd say you're fortunate that you did not see that big a hit, and that's why you are able to yeah. maintain the continuity. Talk about yeah. industries, you know, hospitality and others who also could very well use this newer technology, the computing paradigms to create value, but their business situation is so dire in many cases, that'd be tough for them to do. What would be your advice to such leaders working in such industries? 
Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm the best uh, physician to give advice to the other industries. I just know that what works, what's worked for us is staying focused on being practical and staying focused on um, helping customers. And, uh, you know, I don't know what that means in other industries, uh, but I know that uh, what it's meant for us, and we've, uh, we've really um, maintained our focus there. So you, you being the digital officer, is there a vision against which these uh, investments were made? Is there something that you're going after? And was that at all disrupted with COVID? Well, you know, I, I hey, thanks, thanks for that question, Sanjog. Like I, I sort of, uh, the way I think about what we're doing with digital for our firm is really five things. You know, number one is we're trying to make sure our customers have great service experience with whatever product feature they're accessing. So if they're uh, looking to pay bills, use online bill pay. If they're looking to make uh, investment uh, changes, if they're looking to retire, that you know, every service and feature we have has got to be straightforward and, and uh, you know, easy to use. So we are, have been doing and continue to do work there. Second thing is, you know, at our firm, we provide a full range of financial services and and we strive to have uh, you know one plus one equals three here so that there's value to customers of having multiple financial products in in one spot easy to move money from uh, it's e- easy to move money from your checking account to make an IRA uh, contribution uh, it's easy to um, make your mortgage payment from your uh, checking account etc so we think there's a lot of value in the fully integrated experience. And we're one of the few financial firms, I believe, out there that has the full range of products all integrated in one mobile app and uh, in one website. There's a couple of products that aren't in the web today, but they'll be here in the next uh, in the next few months. It's all together in one spot. It's not multiple websites, not multiple mobile apps. That's number two is fully integrated experience. The third thing we've been driving for, forward on is we know financial service is complicated, sometimes opaque, and, and customers need help. And sometimes they need help with a quick little bit of content to explain things to them. Sometimes they need help with uh, you know, a, a little wizard to guide them through a decision-making process. Sometimes they need to talk to somebody on the phone. Sometimes they need to do a video chat. Uh, we call that uh, advice everywhere. We want to make sure we've got advice, some kind of advice everywhere a customer might need some help. The fourth thing is, and this is very germane to our conversation here, is we know customers are increasingly in disparate places. They're on their phone. They're in. Uh, they're uh, using a voice uh, Alexa or Siri, an assistant. They're out there in the world on different devices. So we've got to go be where the customers are. So it's, uh, it's like, uh, you know, when I talk about this internally, the old joke about, you know, what's the most important thing in real estate? It's uh, location, location, location. Well, it's the same thing. What's important in digital location, location, location? We've got to be wherever our customers are. And then the last thing that's part of our strategy is, with all the power and features that providers like ourselves have deployed on their digital products, web, mobile, you, know, you name it, uh, 
there's just so much there. And it used to be on the early days of digital, more was more. And, you know, customers were hungry for uh, services, so they uh, were eager to use whatever you would maybe deploy. What we've seen now in the attention economy is it could be overwhelming for people. So we've put a concerted effort on what I call digital lightness. And digital lightness is about stripping away unnecessary clutter in the experience. And that we don't want to offer people things that there's some chance they might use. What we want to put more front and center are things that it's highly likely they will use. So it's still the full range of features and services we offer to everyone, but the emphasis is really only on things that we believe uh, are highly likely a customer will want to access, and then everything else gets pushed into the background. That's digital lightness. So, you know, back to your, your question, you know, hey, uh, you know, is this fitting in a, a, um, an overall fr- framework? Absolutely. You know, AI and ML is part of uh, advice, helping people make uh, good financial decisions. It's part of uh, emerging channels and our outreach being where customers are. That's the conversational user interface. It's part of digital lightness, making the decisions about what content we should emphasize and what content we should suppress so that people don't feel as overwhelmed when they're working with us. So it's very important to the whole strategy and those are just, just a few examples. Hope, hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we are back, let's look at the environment that we are in. And TIA is, is fortunate that they have not been hit as hard, but then there are testing times regardless. And even though uh, as a business, there may not be much of a hit, but then people are still working remotely. And there are some other issues across the value chain partners and even the customers that we're dealing with. Can AI and ML come to rescue? Can it bail us out during these testing times? Let's explore when we come back. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Scott, of course, there are a lot of different companies, and in your role as Chief Digital Officer, you got your counterparts in other companies and the CIOs and all different business leaders. And not everyone is in the same, uh, you know, environment or same situation. If you were to not grossly generalize, but still share ways, creative ways where AI and ML could help bail them out during testing times or justify its investment in itself, what would those areas be? Well, uh, you you know, I would say that... uh, first thing is just recognizing it's a very challenging environment and you know no one really knows how long the circumstances we're in today are going to last so 
I guess the number one requirement is, is being nimble. And I know we've put a lot of energy in the last few years around uh, uh, Agile and the Scaled Agile framework. And it, you know, if, if you're familiar with the Agile Manifesto, it's, uh, you know, item number four in the Agile Manifesto is we value responding to change over, uh, you know, sticking to a plan. And I think those are the, the Agile skills are what we're all called there, you know, to em employ now. And so, you know, one, one thought is to um, make sure you're supporting Agile in, in, your, uh, in your area, whether you're way down the, the Agile journey and uh, you just need to double down or your team's at the beginning or partway through it um, because the Agile, where it really shines is in times of uncertainty. Uh, responding to change versus uh, versus following a plan. I also think it's real important to know you know where your value is as as a firm, and making sure you're staying focused on that. You know the uh, in the new economy we live in, it's it's very easy to uh, work with partners for the things that aren't differentiated value for your firm. So you, taking an accounting of you know what are the things I'm doing today that I could work with a partner to do that would allow me to focus my always scarce and precious resource on the things that are special about what my firm does and what my customers value. And maybe the last thing is uh, staying focused on customers because ultimately, you know, they're the reason we're all here, whatever business you're in. And uh, they need help in different ways today than they did before, but they need help in the, some of the same ways as before. So just stay and focus there. So maybe those three things, uh, being nimble, uh, doubling down on agile, knowing where your value is and being pretty sober about what you do in-house versus what you work with partners on. And then uh, customers are the reason we're all here. So let's make sure we're you know, taking care of them you know, all day, every day. Yeah, as I introduced... Uh the discussion today, I did mention about, you know, silver lining in the cloud. Do you think, while there is a big cloud out there with COVID, but could AI and ML serve or, or could, could this, could this environment result in some good, interesting use cases, which may be, which may reveal themselves as use cases, which would allow us to use the potential of AI and ML to a totally different degree or a level anything that yeah, you know about your attention yes yeah, Joker. like I, I think uh you know what we've seen is a, a big uptake in and customers accessing us digitally you know as you would expect mm -hmm. and i think uh you know we've seen that across financial services for sure i saw a stat the other day that said 40 percent of digital banking customers are new to digital banking since the start of covid so, you know, customers are changing with uh, this change and they need more and more access or they're looking for more and more access to, to digital services. And, you know, the folks that are newer adopters of digital don't have the experience of the last uh, you know, 10 years of, of digital with web and then mobile. So they're coming to it for the first time. And that, that makes sense, right? They're all new digital users. So what we've seen is, I don't know that this is a silver lining, but we've seen a lot more access for these newer services that, uh, that we created than we had in the past. 
a, a big uptake uh, there. And so, you know, we're happy that we're able to serve customers, serve more customers in more ways at a time they need it most. See, even when times were okay or normal, people were struggling in making use of these newer technologies because the fundamental readiness that you need in an organization yeah. with respect to data and understanding of what is AI and how to use ML, people were, some people were deer in headlights, other people were farther ahead and some people were in between. That yeah. hasn't changed. So would you right. recommend staying away from ML, especially now for the people who are kind of deer in headlights or is there some hope for them? I think there's plenty of hope. You know, uh, uh, the way I look at it is it all depends on having good use cases. If, you know, if you can find something in your business uh, or your area that's got real practical value, I mean, that's always what you want to do in technology is, is uh, you know, build things that are valuable for people. And AIML are super powerful tools to make that happen. Now, Given all the different departments that we have, right? You talk about collaboration or HR or supply chain, finance. At a business level, they are being rethought. So would you say if at some point we thought of AI and ML becoming the very DNA of the organization, would it help? Or would we have to rip apart the original DNA definition of how we will use AI and ML because even the business is being rethought? Uh, you know what? Like, I know there's some cases here in, in our firm where we've taken some tasks, uh, you know, maybe sort of observation tasks where you're combing through vast amounts of data uh, looking for something. And we've used AI ML to help make that much easier. So it basically does a lot of the basic, uh, you know, observation here and, and then surfaces, you know, likely candidates to a, a real person. And what that's done for us is it's I've allowed some of our people to really become sort of a, like, it's like superpowers, right? Where, they used to be able to do X number of these things in a, an hour a day, and now they can do tenfold that because they're partially powered uh, by uh, ML. And so I do think that's uh, allowing people to begin to rethink the work. We've had similar success with, uh, with robotics. So, yeah, I, I think so. It hasn't caused us to have to you know, rip apart anything, but, but just as, as you find new ways to scale processes, you find uh, new opportunities. And all of a sudden, your people can be focused on things that are higher up the value chain and doing things that only people can do. So what, what definitely you answered is if AI was or ML were to be used at the very foundational level, it would, it would not itself, it would not have research things. But what we are referring to here or what we are dealing with is an environment which is fundamentally forcing us to rethink HR, how we will deal with people, how we will yeah. have supply chain. And that I'm referring to COVID or any other related ripple effect in terms of the crisis we're dealing with. Now, when the, the yeah, business yeah. shifts, you don't, don't let the tail wag the dog, right? So you don't want right, AI and right, right. to redefine, but instead of business is saying, this is where I'm getting reset. Are we going to do anything different with the IML? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of uh, having a strong foundation, getting in these new technologies early enough with small projects so that when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready. You know, uh, because of the, the work that we've done over the last few years, to, you know, using our automated assistant as an example, to be ready with it, uh, we were able to be there when the CARES Act launched, for, uh, for example. So I think it's, you know, the, it's smart to start small, de-risk the tech, learn it enough so that no matter what happens in the business, you're able to take advantage of, of the opportunity. Now, even even that you you just mentioned about, right? So yep. when you yep. created that, but then there was also an impact on the people. Remember, I mentioned uh, the displacement part of it, the the yep. perceived fear. Yeah. And one is people are anyway concerned because businesses are not doing as well, and there are layoffs like there is no tomorrow. And on top of it we bring AI and in some companies they are not fully there yet where people have let go of that fear that AI is going to come and displace us. So that could become a double whammy for such organizations. How does someone deal with that and instead turn AI and ML related proposition on its head to say, now this is the time which will actually help save your job versus displacing you. Are there any avenues there? Yeah. You know, the, the way we've been thinking about it is, and, and doing it is uh, just continuing to upskill our you know, teams so that as we find new ways to automate stuff lower in the uh, value chain, that our people can be uh, deployed solving problems higher up in the, in the value chain. And we've seen great success with that. We're running a big program now uh, helping our uh, you know, technology teams um, move through the journey to get everything in containers and to be able to operate in uh, you know, fully automated releases and the next gen of uh, you know, automated DevOps. And those, those are just examples. It's not necessarily AI ML, where, but where, you know, as I love this Mark Andreessen quote, you know, software is eating the world. And as software finds its way to automate things, you want to have a company and teams that are able to say, okay, great, that work is now automated. How do I move myself and the work I do further up the value chain and do more for my customers? So we're trying to bring people along uh, for the journey here. Now, with, with the people who, like this is your perspective on how you could bring people along. How yep. are people in your organization, or you may be talking to your counterparts in other companies, how are people dealing with this crisis and then as you present opportunities for them to enhance, quote unquote, enhance their capabilities through AI and ML, are they buying it? I, I think so. You know, like we've got a, a company that very much cares for the people that work here and our customers. So we're a mission-driven, you know, 100-year-old mission-driven firm that's here to help people who help others. And that permeates uh, pretty deep in the culture. So you know, one of the things we talk about is making sure in uh, the challenging times we're in that we all stay connected and we're looking out for each other and helping support each other to keep our, you know, family and friends and colleagues, you know, safe and healthy. And then, 
you know, where we have opportunity to do some of that upskilling now. You know, now if, if there's, if there's uh, an initiative or something that got put on hold, well, now's the time to invest in making sure uh, you do some learning on AI, AIML or you do some, uh, we've got some uh, internal courses we just created on how we do containers at TIA. So now's a, now's a good time if some of the business stuff is slowed down to invest in yourself. Because we know software is going to continue to permeate every aspect of, uh, of business, and we've got to make sure our folks are brought along. So I think, I think people feel supported on that journey. We've seen them willing to take advantage of the opportunity, and, and uh, we've seen everyone looking out for each other. No, one is, of course, in your organization, not sure how many other external ecosystem partners you may have. You may have a few. In some other industries, there are a lot more. And if an organization goes on this ANML journey, would you say it is primarily only looking inwards and just fixing or cleaning up the house inwards, or should it permeate across the value chain for it to be truly effective? And if it is... I think... Yeah. 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 Oh, go ahead. So, so, so if if... They have, it has to permeate across the value chain, but those people are not, or that those companies we don't control. How do we bring homogeneity in this? Well, I think for sure there's opportunity across the value chain. I mean, the most straightforward place to start is inside your own uh, company and your own, own division to learn, get comfortable with it, and, and see it working. You know, it's all theory until you actually see it working live for customers. Uh, absolutely, there's opportunity across uh, the value chain uh, with partners. And like you mentioned, uh, you know, every partner we have is at a different stage of maturity with it. And I think what that does is, as you're deciding who your partners of the future are going to be, the ones that have made the right practical investments and are thinking ahead, they're going to be providing you know, leading services you know, and better value for every dollar we spend with partners, and they're going to be the partners uh, for, for the future. So I think, I think that's a problem that sort of works itself out over time. And uh, you only know where a partner is when you go talk to them. And, you know, we've done a little bit of this. I would say, you know, there's more to do here, but a dialogue with a partner around, hey, what new things can we do together? Because this technology on, on both sides here allows us to do it. Let's talk about security. And in your business, I'm sure security is top of mind for everyone. And yeah, when you try to handle things where, from a security perspective, and you know that a human is doing certain thing, and humans are also not the most logical at times, so you, they bring their own flavor of security risks. But with AI and ML, you could make one mistake, or there could be one hole created, and it could exponentially increase the possibility of damage. And COVID-19 also disrupted the way we work, our workflows, and many other things, and kind of drilled holes into our forts anyways. By introducing AI and ML, are we compounding the problem or are we fixing it from a security standpoint and a compliance and other risk management standpoint? Yeah, you know, I think uh, to your point, uh, you know, AIML allow um, bad guys 
to, to scale up, but they also allow us to scale up. And, we, you know, we've seen uh, a lot, you know, obviously I can't talk about the details here, but a lot of value in us being able to cover more complex use cases, more scenarios, more places to make sure that we're staying ahead of all that. And, uh, you know, so, so it's been very valuable for us there. Who should own these initiatives? Who was owning earlier? Like in, you've said, let's take your companies as an example. When AIML yep. was brought in, maybe it came through the IT route, and then you got involved being the chief digital person. And, of course, you had a, a set of people who were jointly owning it. What, what's that structure which will keep us sane? Because there are endless opportunities if you want to go invest. And now that you got a disruption in the way business is to be looked at, who should own it now and moving forward? Well, you know, the, the way we try to do things like this is, especially for newer technologies, you know, multiple areas in the company are, are, uh, can sort of take a look and do some early learning. But then as, as the, it matures and we want to deploy to customers, we like the structure where there's a central team that kind of owns the quote-unquote platform, but it gets deployed out to customers and users through various business channels. So there's central ownership of the platform, but distributed ownership of the application. And that's, that's worked, uh, worked well from us, both from an uh, expense management side, but also... Um, pooling our resources. So, uh, you know, group A has an application need. We put that in the common platform. Then group B can get the benefit of it. So, you know, the, everybody benefits from the, the learning each team has. And there is enough leeway for all parties that if we don't hit the mark in terms of the ROI, you have the the immunity, if you will, to keep charging ahead, and this is still a sandbox for you. Yeah, you know, I think that's it's really more that we try to be very practical, and you know, back to what I was saying a little earlier, Sanjo, it's uh, and start small, so that the there's not a lot of risk of missing the ROI because we've taken the prudent steps up front to be pretty confident. What education did you have to impart? A you means whosoever started this journey. Uh, For you it, to be it, able to get them ready, if yeah. you will, to embrace something like this. AIML. Yeah, so, right, yeah. So there's general education on the domain. And then, you know, we work with partners for some of the tech here. So then there's specific uh, education that the partners brought to bear here. And, uh, you know, I will mention here, but we, we've been beneficial. We've had the benefit of working with some really good partners in the space, um, both with the platforms they brought as well as helping to bring our teams along. And, you know, that's great. Everybody, everybody wins. We've got very successful deployment. Uh, we've helped the uh, partners with their business. And, uh, you know, my teams are smarter and they've got, you know, real material accomplishments they, they can point at. So it's, it's been a great, uh, a great fun journey. I'm sure uh, it was a great journey, but I'm sure there are some interesting times, right? That's the word I would use. Here. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, right? oh, yeah, absolutely. So, could you share yeah. some of those interesting instances without taking names or without giving away too much on, on what are the things that people have to be careful of? The gotchas, the pitfalls, the, 
lessons learned, if you will? Well, you know, uh, when we started our automated assistant project, maybe I'll, I'll start there. We, uh, we weren't sure what topic areas customers would want to use it for. So the way we set ourselves up was let's start small. Let's launch our assistant. And when we get started, it, it won't be that smart. It'll only be able to answer a very narrow range of questions. You know, the, one way to deploy something like this is you try to teach it everything at TIAA, which would take a very long time. You try to teach it everything about us and then, then launch. Well, that would have taken years in development. We decided to go very small. Let's launch with a real limited knowledge set, and let's see what customers ask. And if we can't help them with the automated assistant, well, we'll just, you know, we'll bounce them over to a, a real person, but we'll learn what they prefer to ask through a conversational UI versus a graphical UI. And uh, we, we thought this approach would work, and, uh, and it did. You know, we got, uh, we've got a team of people that basically look at the, the questions asked and answered every day. And as we've scaled up where we promote the assistant, we've invested in teaching the assistant more of our platform. So I look at it sort of like we have two dials that we're managing every day. There's a dial that's how smart have we made our assistant. And there's a dial that's how many places are we offering it to customers and we want to sort of move both dials at, at the same time and grow our way into, into the platform. But that was kind of a different approach here than we'd used for launching other services. So we, uh, you know, that was interesting. And just bringing everybody along, well, that's how we're going to do this. And uh, you know, we believe it'll work. And like, the good news is as, uh, you know, it, was, it was a new way of uh, launching a platform, but in hindsight, I think uh, we're very glad we did that way because we learned a lot, kept our investment focused, and, and we know what people are uh, looking for help with. Again, on behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, uh, Scott, for sharing your insights on the rationale, the very rationale on why someone should think about AI and ML. And even though we are dealing with the COVID-19, which is a healthcare crisis, and is spawning a financial crisis. How do we justify continued investment? Thank you so much. No, Sanjok, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you again once. Uh, so listeners, please find us on our podcast on Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, and many more. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and Pinterest. And thank you once again for listening to CTN. You guys should all stay safe. This is Sanjok All. Signing off till next week. Take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. 